Welcome to the Alberta Prosperity Project podcast. If you're ready to listen, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Thursday, June 2nd, 2022. Welcome to episode four of the Alberta Prosperity Project podcast. I'm your host, Hunter, today, joined today with Tanner, who's up in Lloyd. Tanner, how's it going today? Phenomenal. It's warm outside. It feels like spring, even though it's June. The grass is being cut. We, you and I have been to a lot of chapter meetings lately. They've been a yeah. lot of fun. The week has just flown by. And it was your birthday on Monday, wasn't it? It was. It's uh, well, happy yeah, birthday. Not bad. Well, thank you. Thank How old you. Are you. I now? appreciate that. Me, I'm uh, the double digits for twos. Ooh. So I didn't even, I never even listened once to Taylor Swift's uh, 22. So understandable. I don't know if uh, I am. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I was for Johnny uh, Cash person. That's, that's just a right. personal preference, but I understand. That's, no, that's fair. So, I mean, it was uh, it was a good day, though. I got uh, some lovely things for the smoker that I'm excited to start using. I think I'm uh, going to make a beer can chicken tonight, so that should be good. I got a special tool for that, so it's, uh, yeah, very exciting. I even got a plant, and I know that in the last podcast I had mentioned I'm not much of a green thumb, but with that said, I'm told that this is very easy to take care of. I guess I leave it in the sun, and then I kind of just water it when it feels dry, I think. So, it can't be that hard to do. Not bad. What, uh, what... Uh... What type of herbs are in the in the plant? Yeah, so it's actually one of those multi ones or something like that. Mm. I don't even know um, where it was found, but it's got uh, dill in it. It's got some parsley. It's got some chives. It's got some lemongrass and some cilantro as well. Oh, so it has cilantro. Is that is that correct? Cilantro. That's correct. One are of the you, best things that you can find. Uh, that yeah. is that is highly debatable. As far as I'm concerned, that could actually be a podcast itself. Is is cilantro good or not? Because I. I think, as you know, I'm mm. vehemently mm-hmm. opposed to putting cilantro yeah. on anything. I think it tastes Believe. like soap. I mm-hmm. think it's an herb that is, should be dried and then used for tinder for starting fires. And that's, as far as I'm concerned, the the extent of it. It seems like you hold I a mean, different opinion. Yeah. I do. You know, I, I you know understand that you may have less of a refined palate than myself. Well, uh, I'm not sure. But I mean, it's, uh, it, is, it is, you know, such a fresh and re- uh, just a wonderful thing to use in a lot of cooking. So I'm going to keep using you it. Know, and I'd I mean, I guess... Over, I think it's overpowering. I think it's like nope, the, uh, you know, the high school kid who just douses himself an ax. I'd say it's kind of like that on a sandwich, if you know what I'm saying. Hey, I don't uh, know But you know what? That. That's, that's fair. Uh-huh. Do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite, uh, what would you call them? I guess a favorite herb, a favorite, you know, Ooh. green, uh, Man. I don't know if yeah. I'll say seasoning, but you know what I mean? No, that's fair. I think that, uh, mint is definitely up there. You can, uh, Mint's good. Yeah, add it to a lot of things and it is very, very good. Fragile, I enjoy it or dill fragile. even as well. What you, yes. What do you enjoy? Sorry? Well mint and what? Dill. Oh uh, yeah. Dill. Yeah. That's yeah. On potatoes. Yep. That's fantastic. I'm a, uh, I love basil. If yeah. one of my favorite things in the world is that, you know, that, that Neapolitan style pizza from New York, you mm-hmm. know, if I could have that yep. every day, yep. I would, but alas, hey. and then they, you know, they put, well, I'm not a pizza expert, but they put, you know, yeah. the, like the basil on top for that. Yeah. yeah that that nice margarita pizza. Look, I just love it. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, no, it definitely, uh, I'm excited to use it. So, I mean, hopefully I don't kill it in the first uh, week or so. <laughs> I guess not everyone will find out on the next podcast if I've killed the plant. That's right. Just not, give, I, give it's doing good so far. Water, exactly. That's right. And I got it Monday. So, I mean, we're on Thursday now. It's still doing okay. That's so, not I mean, bad. I can't be, can't be that bad. bad at it, yeah, right? Not too That's bad. That's the... Uh, Yes. So um, getting obviously into a little bit more of the podcast here, I know that, you know, you mentioned we've been at these events and they were so great. We went out to Spruce View and Airdrie and Calgary and those all went super, super well. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on my birthday, we actually traveled out to Rocky Mountain to one of those chapter meetings, like you mentioned, and great to see so many of you out there. I know that a couple of you said that you listened to the podcast. So thank you so much for that. Um, And we we really enjoyed coming out to see all you. So it was just a a really fantastic evening altogether. Um, 
but with what's been going on, I think, you know, in the last week or so, and even a couple of weeks, um, has been a hot topic. And I think that's where we're going to try to steer this podcast today is there have been a lot of talks about all things restrictions lately. We have seen um, just lately now, not that we're going to be talking COVID at all, but that restrictions from the federal government have been extended again for travel uh, until at least June 30th. So that's a big one that we're going to be touching on a little bit later on here. Uh, as well, the uh, Liberal government and, and NDP as well have come together on a new handgun ban of any ownership of a handgun. So that's going to be something we're going to talk a little bit and Tanner's going to touch on some property rights implications for that. So we're excited for that. And then as well, we're going to touch a little bit on Bill C-11 and free speech. It's been another very, very hot topic lately and it, it actually affects us as podcasters with the uh, regulation and pace, place story where the CRTC wants to come in and regulate podcasters in Canada. So that might be uh, something that will be affected by in the near future here. So I guess, Tanner, just to start off with, if you don't mind, you know, going over just a quick reason on why we think these restrictions are so incorrect and so wrong. Right. So the government says that they're restricting our rights in order to protect our rights. Mm -hmm. Really, that, that's what they're saying, right? Right. But in reality, government's only purpose is to protect our rights and freedoms. And so mm -hmm. by removing our rights and freedoms in order to protect our rights and freedoms, that, well, that's perhaps the epitome of logical incoherence, right? right. Like, does totally. that make sense at all? No, it's totally. logically inconsistent. And that's mm. honestly the only way to, to look at it. It's like saying, I'm going to restrict your capacity to think in order to protect your intellect. Right. It's totally, totally incomprehensible, which again, under a socialist government, that's exactly what happens, right? right. We believe, and we think that it's evident that socialism and this federal advance of socialism is incongruent with reality it's mm -hmm. it's separated separated from reality and right. so that's what that's what we believe we're seeing here is this logical incoherence that crumbles when you begin to investigate it yeah absolutely and i think that's a really nice broad overview of exactly why we're so opposed to these restrictions and i mean we're obviously like i said earlier here we're not going to be getting into the fine details of whether it's COVID or um, the guns themselves it's just this overreaching overall uh, problem with the regulation that we've got right now and so um, i guess just before we move forward one other quick question that i have just on a broad sense of things is do you think you know that there ever is actually a good enough reason then to put restrictions like what we have right now in place? Has there ever been a time in history where it's worked or, or what's kind of the thinking there? Well, I know of no example in history mm -hmm. where a government who has restricted the rights and freedoms of the people has yeah. done so for benevolent means and has generated a more just and desirable society than mm -hmm. what a free market, free, um, um, you know, capitalist society that focuses yeah. on rights and freedoms has been able to produce. Do you know of sure. any, any examples? No, no, I, I can't think of any. I mean, just, no, I can't. Yeah. I mean, like you maybe you know, like in during World War Two, Britain, you know, they'd be like blackout, blackout the nation kind of thing and turn off the lights. But but right to abjectly restrict the rights and freedoms of individuals in order to, again, quote right. unquote, protect those rights and freedoms because mm -hmm. it's logically incoherent and inconsistent with reality. Yeah. I can't see any good coming of it. Yeah, absolutely. No, that uh, definitely makes sense. And I guess just then moving uh, along here, 
question for you now. I mean, I mentioned before, obviously, the travel restrictions have now been extended in Canada until at least June 30th. Looks like that's mm-hmm. when they'll reevaluate and look. Um, and I guess, <laughs> we'll you know, well, yeah, well, we've heard that story before. That's so right. I'm, that's exactly I'm not holding right. my breath. We'll put it that no. way. Um, but I guess with that, then, I mean, you know, on a broad level, like I said before, we're seeing the government say that they're doing this because of science and they want to try to protect Canadian lives. We've heard our prime minister and other MPs across the country give that line. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I guess the question would be, why is that not okay? Like, why are we so opposed to the air travel and other travel mandates with trains and and buses as well? Right. You're exactly right when you said that, when you say that they've given that line, we trust the science, we trust the science, we trust the science. Now, apparently Canada science must be different than the rest of the world. (laughs) I would think so. Because we're the only country right in in the world, as far as I'm, that I know of, I mean, except maybe North Korea, which Mm. is a difficult thing to compare. Like if we're at that point, that still imposes these these uh, or are still imposing these massive travel restrictions, right? Even sure. even those in New Zealand can travel mm-hmm. internationally, right? Australia from, too, right? Right, right. and Australia, right, right, totally. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, to science. So you and I were in high school, right? <laughs> we barely yeah. passed, as you oh, know. <laughs> barely, <laughs> but, yeah. But when we were in high school, we were given a choice of mm. electives to take with regards to science, right? We could take biology, yeah. we could take chemistry, we could take physics, or we could take all three, right? Yeah, yeah. Right, and so... Well, I took chemistry. I didn't take mm-hmm. physics or biology. I didn't take biology because I'm, I am uh, faint at the sight of blood. And I didn't take physics because although I enjoy studying stars and so on, the mathematical equations and complicated uh, uh, enterprises or the, yes. the complicated orders that you have to undertake in order to arrive at answers are was, was just too much, I said, for myself. So I took chemistry. What about you? Yeah, I took chemistry too. Different reason than you though. I kind of just, uh, as a high school teenage guy, I like seeing stuff blow up. And I knew that the uh, ah. teacher I was going to have was going <laughs> to do a cool water bottle and flame experiment. So I'm like, I can't oh, be yeah. that bad. But sure. uh, organic sure. chem kind of got me uh, got me bad. But that's okay. I, I made it through and I uh, eventually got a university degree too. So I must have right. okay. made it through. That's right. But anyway, okay, that's so right. you go to chemistry class. Yeah. And um, we're studying, or we were studying the the reality of matter, right? It's, it's the study of matter itself. And so the chemist, the properly trained chemist, Mm -hmm. is an expert on molecules, atoms, combinations, uh, moles, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All of these, you know, to use the 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 word, building blocks of matter, right? They talk about quarks and electrons and all of these all of these different um, components that that Mm -hmm. make up matter and reality itself. Yeah. Okay. So the chemist is a scientist, and the chemist knows how certain molecules interact with other molecules. Or mm-hmm. they can perform experiments to see how certain molecules and atoms interact with other molecules and atoms. So, you know, we can get salt from NaCl or or we can create fertilizer, right? Is it NH3, I think, right? That's mm-hmm. what it is, yeah. yeah. Um, you can do all these different, you can create all of these different substances mm. by combining elements and by combining molecules. So the chemist yeah. is an expert on that and he understands how to do so. Now, it might be that the chemist recognizes and understands, again, because he has this skill and this knowledge in molecules, Hmm. it might be that he knows that if he combines molecule one and molecule two, or atom one and atom two, that he will create a massive superweapon. Those two molecules combining must or might generate a reaction that's so violent that it could level a city. Right. Okay. So the chemist would know that and he would know how to create such, such such a violent explosion. Mm-hmm. But the science, which tells him that or her that, does not give him or her a moral imperative to engage in that experiment. Mm. 
You see even what I'm a legal saying? one, even a legal one. Yeah, for sure. Right, right. Exactly. So exactly. Mm-hmm. So just because you know how to do something, just because right. science tells you something that molecule one and molecule two will create this massive explosion, right. it doesn't give you, it doesn't provide for you a moral reason to engage in that activity. Mm-hmm. We do not derive morals and moral directives from science. So again, right. let's look at more facts. It might be that my vehicle can drive 250 kilometers per hour, mm-hmm. but that doesn't give me more a moral directive to take my vehicle onto Highway 2 and cruise right. down to Calgary at 250 kilometers per hour, right? right? They're separate things. But what we're seeing now in government, and we've seen this for how many years now, right? Two and a yeah. half, but really yeah. it's been going on for a while. But mm-hmm. explicitly over the last two and a half years, we've seen government take science, quote unquote science, and legislative power, morality, and ethics, et cetera. And they've married those two things together in one unholy union is what I would call it. And so all of their legislation and everything that they rule, they justify by using the name of science. They say the science tells us this. And so we're doing that. But again, you can't, you cannot derive a moral directive from something which, which just tells you facts, right? If this, you know, this makes sense, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you can even, we can obviously go back and forth and talk about the science and that's not even what we're doing here. And you're putting a good um, emphasis on that. And I think that one thing, if those who have listened to the last podcast that we had done, um, you know, we kind of talked about how the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization are, you know, these men and even politicians we mentioned are trying to become the law themselves. Um, And I think in this instance, they're trying to become the science themselves, right? Where they go, I am the science and you can't. Yes. Right? you can't they can't challenge it we can't yep. challenge it as citizens we just yep. gotta sit back and say okay well i guess they are the omniscient scientific yes. all-knowing beings and we that's have to precisely follow it, it right precisely that's that's precisely the point that could even be that's an excellent quote you could actually make that the title in this podcast mm-hmm. that's brilliant mm-hmm. because well no that's exactly it that's why i used the 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 example of chemistry okay right. so the fact of the matter is and this isn't because they lack intellect or anything, but the average individual like myself and like you mm-hmm. and, and like others who aren't chemists don't yeah. understand how to create certain reactions and don't mm-hmm. know how those reactions work. Yeah. And so what I'm saying is only the chemist and the man who has studied chemist understands the intricacies of chemistry. Totally. Okay. So hold that thought in your mind for a moment. Yeah. What we've seen over the last two years is medical professionals, Mm-hmm. ascend the ranks of bureaucracy to positions of power so that they become medical bureaucrats basically right mm-hmm. and this is happening in the province and yeah in the federal government as a whole yeah. so you have a degree in a certain form of of medicine mm-hmm. and then you ascend the the stairway of power and yeah. until you arrive at at this final destination this 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 position of of authority, almost supreme authority. Of course, right. your science has to work with other, you know, the bureauc- the bureaucrat science. So if you hold views that are opposed to what the mainstream media says, then of course you're not a legitimate doctor. But if you do, then you are one. You see, right? Yeah. But anyway, so you oppose you 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 climb that that ladder of power, right? But once you're there and you're ruling, you're legislating. Well, who's going to argue with you? Yeah, nobody. Nobody can right, because you're the expert. This is the issue yeah. with making with 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 making science and law in essence one Mm -hmm. is that you and I can criticize laws on the grounds that we're individuals, human beings with natural rights and freedoms that are inherent to us. You cannot do so 
with science because we're not scientific experts. Right. You know, so it, it might be that we do know that the science doesn't make sense or who knows what, whatever the point being, because we're not scientists in the views of the bureaucrat in the eyes of the bureaucrat, we are not able to criticize their, their laws because they reply, well, what are you? You're not an expert. What do you know about science? And Mm -hmm. so it completely captures our ability to criticize unjust law on the grounds that it's no longer about right and wrong at all. This is now about science, which Mm -hmm. isn't democratic. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, we run into a, a whole mix of problems where you can get down that rabbit hole of eventually, um, you know, and I mean, not obviously, again, not talking about science, but what happens when, you know, you're driving your vehicle too much in Alberta, or you're heating your home too much, or whatever exactly. the case may be. That's um, exactly the right. Yeah, right. We get down this, this scary, the scary slope, I would say. And yeah. so, um, perfect. Precise. Yeah. That's a perfect uh, a segue to the next topic. But you're exactly right. 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 Exactly right. Insofar as what if the science says, yeah, that, right. you know, driving your car too much increases mm-hmm. emissions and therefore has to be regulated. Exactly. Right. It's, right. It, has nothing, it has nothing to do with morality or, or what's right or what's wrong, only with what science says. But science right. itself is amoral, not immoral, right. not moral, but amoral. It has no morality. It just tells you a fact about the way that nature works. And then right. you have to introduce something outside of the system. I'm talking about the law, like we talked about last week, mm-hmm. to determine whether or not using that science is a moral thing to do or not. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great way to move into our uh, next topic. Obviously, I'd mentioned before, just a little brief overview on handguns for those that are not aware of what is going on in Canada right now. I know that we have some worldwide listeners, um, but it was just announced that our current government at the federal level is going to be putting a complete freeze on handgun ownership. And so there's been this discussion that it will be illegal to buy, sell, transfer, or import handguns anywhere in Canada. That was directly from our prime minister here. Um, And so obviously, again, similar to the last discussion, we're not going to be going directly to the restriction, but almost the underlying cause and reason for this. And so, um, Tanner, I guess I'll go back to you now. What is the scariest thing, I think, to you uh, and to all of us and what should be to all Albertans and even all Canadians about this uh, latest ban on guns? Is there something more going on or is it more so just the gun topic that's really of concern? Right. The whole issue pertains to property rights Mm. that's that's the fundamental of the issue is the existence and the nature of property rights property rights property rights property rights that is the nexus of this issue as a whole at least as far as i understand it Mm -hmm. our prime minister like justin trudeau yeah is a socialist Mm. he might you know it's true that he you know he's the leader of the liberal party but he is socialist in everything except for name only and of course there are checks and balances too on power, even though he seems to be exercising a lot of power, especially lately. But either way, it's true. He can't just tomorrow implement full socialism, right? Right. But he's he is accelerating that objective and that aim very quickly. Since when was he elected? 2016? Is that when it was? Uh, 15, 15. 20, so 2015. Since 2015, yeah. he's been advancing this socialist Marxist, you know, new world o- order, um, yeah, Orwellian state yeah. at a frightening speed. And it's only increasing in its advance as he pushes mm-hmm. closer and closer and closer to a country that's totally dominated by the federal government and the bureaucrats that exist in that federal government. So yeah. property rights is the issue. Because what is, well, to you, what, what's socialism to you? If yeah, you, I mean, if, you, if I was to ask you, what do you think socialism is? What yeah. would you say? 
I mean, guaranteed that no economist, but I mean, I know that from what I was taught in school um, about the ideals of it, it's more so just this system where everybody kind of gets collective ownership of the goods and of the production of means mm-hmm. and all these um, various exciting things, but everyone, you know, basically owns everything together as, as opposed to private ownership where people get to own their own things. Right. Now, I think you could probably say that's correct. That is what the classical definition is, is this, this to use a Marxian term, right? You mm-hmm. seize the the state seizes the means of production and allocates all of the goods and resources in society. So that's the classic definition, but I would even go so far as to say, well, first of all, a society where everyone owns everything is really one where no one owns anything, right? Mm -hmm. It's the same thing as, as it's the same thing as living in a society where no one owns anything. But when you really investigate socialism, what you discover is that it's not so much a society where no one owns anything, Mm -hmm. nor is it a society where everyone owns everything. Rather, it's a society where one entity, Mm. government, I'm talking about government, owns everything. Mm. So you don't have zero owners. You don't have everyone owning everything. You have one owner owning Mm. everything. And that owner is is government. So now it's clear, right? Property rights invokes a problem for this ideology because Mm -hmm. it means that there are other owners of goods in society. Right. If I have property and if you have property, that it implies that it's ours, that mm-hmm. property is our own. And therefore it is a roadblock for socialism and for socialist policies. Because if we own something, then the government or anyone else for that matter, cannot decide how to allocate that which we own. Mm. Make sense so far? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a complicated idea, but, but it, it becomes you know more and more clear yeah. as you continue to discuss it. So first you have to ask, why is property good? Okay. There are the, let's start with maybe the physical property and physical, like physical property itself, capital and goods and so on. That's good. The ownership of property is good. Like me owning a keyboard or me owning glasses or, or wheat, what have you is good because it enables the society to allocate scarce resources efficiently and effectively. We live in a world that's finite. There is not an infinite amount of everything. There's not an infinite amount of uh, metal. There's not an infinite amount of, I don't know, you know, water. There's not an infinite amount of, 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 uh, what else can you think of? Oil, anything, right? I mean, yeah, that's exactly a gold oil. Exactly. It's exactly right. Um, okay. So we have to allocate those resources in an efficient manner so that we avoid shortages. We don't want Mm -hmm. shortages and we want everyone to live with as high of a quality of life as possible. Now the market does this exceedingly well. It allocates all of these goods in a way that is almost, it's so complicated, it's incomprehensible. Sure. But in a socialist economy, you have a few central bureaucrats, these central planners mm. who seize all of those means of production. And I'm talking about a full-blown socialist economy. This right. is like, you know, sure. hardcore socialism, but the, the principles yeah. are the same. You have a few central planners seize the means of production and the goods in society and all of the property. And then those central planners decide how to allocate those goods. Yeah. Now, of course, it will cause suffering. That ideology, look in history, or just use economic theory, it will cause suffering for the society as a whole. The reason for this is because there are literally, and I mean literally, millions and millions of factors that go into the decisions about how a good should be allocated. So it might be that, you know, a storm in the tropics causes the price of a good to rise or fall. It causes the value of a good to rise or fall. It might be that a train that's derailed uh, carrying a bunch of stock 
causes the price of something, the value of something to rise and fall, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there are, again, millions of factors that go into determining what the value of a good is, you know, mm. what, what, a, what a person's subjective preferences right. of a good is. What I'm saying then is that there is so much information that's required in order for someone, just one person to allocate even one good efficiently, let alone mm. a couple hundred million goods or however many goods we have in the economy. Right. That this idea, you know, or millions of goods, excuse me, this idea that that one person or one small group of central bureaucrats, this idea that they can just efficiently allocate every good in society so that everyone is equal and everyone is happy is total nonsense. Like you, yeah. you could not rebel against reality more explicitly than that. It's mm. total nonsense. There is simply not enough capacity in the human mind to efficiently allocate even one good, I would argue, let alone all of these millions of goods that are in our economy, right? Yeah. So this is that that's that's the issue of socialism, and that's why we like property because right. when you own the property, well, then you you're allocating it. This is an old Adam Smith quote where mm -hmm. he's like, "It's not from the charity of the baker or whoever, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. that 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 uh, you earn your your goods, your bread that you need, but rather mm -hmm. because all of those men are self interested, and so are you, yeah, and because of that." Then, the, then the, the product is 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 efficiently allocated, and we don't have shortages and other difficulties in society. So, private property enables life, and it enables the flourishing of life through allocating goods and services in society. That's why it's a good thing. Now, I would also also argue that it, this is most explicit through the property right of yourself. So you own yourself, right? Your body yeah. is yours. Yeah. Right. And so do I. And, and that's, that's a secular viewpoint to take, but, but it's, it's true. It's, I do not have the right mm -hmm. to assault you because your body is your own. Yeah. And the same is true, you know, with you, of me or anyone for that matter, if there's an individual who's walking home alone, you know, mm -hmm. on a dark night, just an innocent individual yeah. and he or she is attacked by this yeah. masked, you know, criminal yeah. and said person defends him or herself valiantly and actually yeah. hurts the criminal. Well, we're happy about that, right? Because yeah. the criminal was attempting to violate that person's property, the fundamental of that person's property, which is their rights and inherent values and 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 body. And so to defend that is a good thing. Yeah. Right? I think yeah. and and who would disagree with that? I don't think anybody, right? You know, Maybe or, they, Trudeau, or but uh, Yeah, well, honestly, <laughs> but the kickers, yeah, they shouldn't, yeah. right? Like you shouldn't yeah. be you shouldn't disagree with that. Yeah. So what I'm coming at then, the conclusion of the argument is the ability to engage in self-defense, yeah. to defend your property, which is actually yours, implies that you indeed own that property. Mm -hmm. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the idea. If you can defend yeah. your property, if you have the right to defend your property, mm -hmm. it implies that the property is indeed yours and you have yeah. a claim to it, whether it's your body, whether it's uh, the groceries you're carrying down the street, whether it's your business, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And so by completely banning this specific weapon, again, whether it's long guns, handguns, the, the point is the same. By banning that, what Mr. Trudeau is really saying is your property is no longer defensible. Yeah. What does that really mean? Your property is no longer yours. Yours. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because I'm advancing the socialist state mm -hmm. and we need you because we're socialists to not yeah. own any property. And so if I can first capture your ability to defend your property it implies that you no longer own your property or that you don't have a right to defend the property and if you don't have right. a right to defend the property well then psh, 
it's it might as well be public property because of course yeah. how could you defend public property how could you defend what yeah. is quote unquote everyone's right no one would yeah, be stealing count. it because it's quote unquote again theirs that's yeah. the idea that's the problem is that sure. this this these bans on weapons mm -hmm. uh, and the ability to defend yourself simply imply that that this socialist conquest is increasing in speed every day mm -hmm. yeah no and that's a great uh, great final segue something you said a little bit earlier i think as we move into the last topic that we're going to be discussing today um and that is bill c11 and and just free speech censorship you had mentioned uh, this idea before that these uh, you know gun laws and and the travel restrictions as well kind of bend what the government sees as reality and they're trying to um, reshape what they think is reality and so Again, for those that don't know, there's this new bill coming in that's trying to increase regulation of the CRTC, which is our regulatory body for all news and social media as well, um, and even podcasts. So this is likely going to impact us in quite a way. And so um, with that, if you don't mind, Tanner, do you want to just touch a little bit on why we're so scared of this bill coming in trying to limit free speech and, and hate speech against the government? Right. Well, I, know, I wouldn't say we're scared of it, but it sure makes us resolute mm -hmm. to be yeah. sure that, that we achieve Alberta independence. But but yeah, to your point about free speech. So what is speech really? What is actually, before that, what is truth? You know, Pilate asked this question. It's one of the most famous questions uh, ever asked. He goes, what is truth? And to me, it seems that the answer is truth is a description of reality as it actually is. That's what mm -hmm. truth is. It's this description yeah. of reality as it actually is. So I look outside mm -hmm. where I'm living right now, the sky is blue. And there's some clouds there. And that's a description of reality as it actually is. Or the caragana bushes are green right now. That's a description of reality as it actually is. And, you know, maybe you, you might make <laughs> some comment that can be debated, like a fun, whatever, you know, I might say that, you know, your hair is better than mine. That's a description of reality as it actually is. Or you can debate and discuss that. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But that's the idea. Truth right. is a description of reality as it mm -hmm. actually is. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then how do you communicate that? Yeah, through speaking, right? Through speech, precisely. Yeah. You yeah. communicate what you believe reality actually is through speech. You observe reality, your brain um, thinks about and it, yeah. and it processes what it's seen and what it's interacted with. Mm -hmm. And then through the method of speech, through speaking, yeah. you communicate that which you believe to be real. It's, yeah. it's a profound thought. Through speech, we communicate what we believe reality actually is. Okay, so like you know, to give an example, well, let's use the uh, let's use the hairstyle example. Okay, so you think your hairstyle is better than mine, and mm -hmm. I think my hairstyle is better than yours. Sure, you'd be we wrong. Have but that's competing, okay. Right. Uh, that's well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. But the point is, we have two competing definitions about reality. We yeah. say, I think the reality is mine's better. Reality is that yours is better. Right. And you can debate and discuss that, right? You use speech to give arguments about why yours is better. I use speech to give arguments about why mine is better. Mm -hmm. And you can, you know, et cetera, continue that process until you arrive at a conclusion. Or right. let's use the sky for a more objective example. Mm -hmm. So let's suppose that we're both standing in the same spot. And I say the sky is blue, mm -hmm. right? Today, the sky is blue. And you say, no, today, the sky is black. There are ominous thunderclouds mm -hmm. all around us. Okay, so one of us is objectively wrong, right? Because the sky can't, it has to be one or the other. So again, you can debate and discuss that. I can say, well, here's the science that's proving that my description of reality is accurate. You right. could try and combat that with your own arguments and so on. And eventually we, we would arrive at, 
at, at an agreement. Or if even if one of us was wrong and refused to admit it, the rest of society would know it, right? Right. But the right. point being that we have used speech to discuss what we believe to be real. Mm. Yeah? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That works? Yeah. Perfect. Okay. So that's the point. There's reality. Right. We use speech to communicate what we believe about reality. Mm -hmm. Now, for the tyrant or the socialist, for that matter, it doesn't matter, mm. because their ideology rebels against reality, right. we cannot be enabled to speak about reality mm. lest we discover their logical failure right, and the futility of their ideology itself. Yeah. Does this make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So when you look at the economics of socialism or when you look at the history of socialism, mm -hmm. you will see that every claim that it increases equality, that it increases well-being, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is yeah. total nonsense. It's totally false. And totally. it rebels against reality itself. It right. does not align with how humans are designed to operate and to work. Mm. But if we're enabled to speak like that, if you mm -hmm. and I as individuals are able to talk like that and publicly make our reservations about socialism or anything else for that matter, known, right. well, then it poses a threat to socialism, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. It, yeah. it, it poses, a, poses a threat mm -hmm. of revealing the corruption behind that ideology. Right. And so the socialist the big government, the bureaucracy has to silence that speech lest, lest they be uh, ripped apart kind of thing. Like, you know, not, not physically, but you know what I mean? By, by yes. argument. Yeah. So Orwell said, you know, all tyrannies rule through fraud and force. Mm. And then he went, but once the fraud is exposed, it must rely exclusively on force. Mm. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, that's the idea is that right now we're in this position where the government is acting fraudulently and they're speaking yeah. lies, <laughs> which yeah. they're very yeah. good at. It seems oh, very good, but, but, yeah. but that's what they're doing. And so you counter that with free speech. Right. But again, if you can silence that speech, well, then you can just, uh, to use a quote, right, you can make reality whatever you want it to be. Mm -hmm. So in order to advance the aims of this anti-human agenda of socialism that disregards reality, you cannot allow individuals to counter your advance with true claims about reality. Mm -hmm. Because then, because again, as I mentioned, or as I haven't mentioned, but as because reality always wins, no matter what, yeah. it will it will defeat the advance. And so that's the danger of limiting free speech is that it, it, it removes perhaps the most fundamental check and balance on power that exists in our society today. Yeah, absolutely. And one just quick uh, last question before we wrap up the podcast. I think we've had a, a great discussion um, on this and you definitely touched on this throughout the entire podcast. But I think just if you could give just a, a couple sentences just on what you think the uh, the total, you know, underlying reasons or part of the implications, I guess, of all these regulations like Bill C-11, the travel restrictions, the latest gunman, um, what exactly are they trying to do at its root? I know that we talked about advanced socialism and all these kind of things, um, but why is that such a major implication for us and why are we trying to fight against it here at the Alberta Prosperity Project? Oh yeah, that's exactly right. The, the purpose of these regulations and laws is to advance socialism or whatever the federal government's aim is objective is at present and based yeah. on their past history the objectives and aims don't look very good right yeah. that that's the purpose of it at its at its core it's mm -hmm. to eliminate property yeah, rights and it's as i mentioned to advance this anti-human agenda of socialism it's to mm -hmm. increase the size and scope of the bureaucracy so that the individual whether in alberta or any other province for that matter is mm -hmm. forced to totally rely and subsist on government the federal government to meet their basic daily needs that's yeah. the idea because of course who will bite the hand that feeds them right yeah. if government is feeding you everything 
who dares criticize the government for fear that they won't be able to, or the individual won't be able to feed his family or her family. And it's, it's a very, it's a, it's a very shrewd tactic and it's a very cruel tactic by, by the government and what the government is, is imposing. And so then, you know, that might lead to the next question, right? Which is Mm -hmm. what does the APP propose? Right. Yeah. Right. And so, I mean, it's self-evident, I think property Mm -hmm. rights are the fundamental idea of what the APP is proposing. The individual has property rights. He is endowed with a natural law, with an understanding of natural law and with rights and freedoms that cannot for any reason or purpose be violated. I think Mm -hmm. that is one of the foundations of everything that, that we're doing. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, that makes sense. Right. So the APP then is proposing, right, that the governments and independent Alberta's government, its only objective is to protect the rights and freedoms of the individual and of the individual Albertan. That's its purpose. It's to ensure that those rights and freedoms are not violated and that the citizen is able to protect those rights and freedoms himself. Right. That means no censorship, right? It means free speech reigns supreme or what, you know, is, is, is absolutely critical. It means the individual is able to defend himself with what means he knows is appropriate. It means the individual uh, is not locked in his own country if he wants to leave it. Right. Mm -hmm. It means all of these things that the government should only focus on the big laws, the simple laws, insofar Mm -hmm. as their, their purpose should be to ensure that thou shall not steal, thou shall not do this and that, and so on, that are just so simple for society to to follow. And if someone does steal like a criminal, Mm -hmm. then they ought to be prosecuted for it. But government shouldn't be focusing on all these small laws, right? right? We're so busy focusing on the small laws and trying to avoid, well, who knows what we're trying to avoid? Because no one even knows the law anymore. All of these regulations are coming into place, right? That there's no time to actually focus on the big laws, Mm. right? The laws that actually matter and that, that facilitate human flourishing. And so that's what the APP is proposing a, Mm. or is, is, recommending an independent Alberta adopt is a government that protects property rights, recognizes property rights, frees up the individual to do what in his eyes is right. As long as it adheres to the fundamental tenets of law and the constitution. Right. Yeah. And that, uh, I think gives us a, a great segue into our, our final little bits here as well. Um, so thank you so much for everyone for listening. If you are concerned about your individual rights and your freedoms, and you want to help join the cause and what is going to get Alberta out of the mess that we're currently finding ourselves in with this uh, path towards socialism, be sure to check out our website and check out our social media. It's there that you're going to find the answers on how exactly this is going to be done, how it can be done and why exactly we need you. You can see us on Facebook, on Instagram, on Rumble, on Twitter, all the above were at Alberta Prosperity Project and be sure to give us a like and a follow there. That way you're staying up to date with everything going on. It's also there that you'll find out about our upcoming events and see how you can join one of these live events that we often talk about at the start of the podcast, how great they were, and we hope to see you out at them. As well, we do have our website live and running, ready to go. It is www.albertaprosperityproject.com. Again, that's www.albertaprosperityproject.com. And it's there that you can also find out how to volunteer, how to get involved. And if you are so kind as to consider a donation or even getting a membership, that is what helps keep the podcast going. It's how we continue traveling across this province on the largest educational platform and foundation that has ever been done in Alberta's history. So we're so excited to have so many of you on board and so excited to see so many more of you join in the near future here. I will be linking that below in the podcast notes if you don't know where to find it. So no need to worry about that. With that said, though, we're so excited to be doing this podcast weekly and we are looking forward to seeing everybody next Thursday for podcast number five. Tanner, it was great talking to you today. Thanks so much. 
perfect. Thanks a bunch. Bye.